Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Hello, Weathered Spacers, and welcome to Starlight. As many of you know, I'm Isaac Yorks, the GM of these zany adventures. I wanted to see if you knew all the ways you can connect with us. We have social media pages, like our Starlight Adventurers page on Instagram, where you can get information on upcoming things and even vote on story elements, or get your questions featured in the show. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and Discord. Lastly, we have a super fun Patreon, Links in the show notes below. Our Patreon members get exclusive access to story information, NPC builds, story voting, and much more, like one-shot games with yours truly. If you want to get more involved in the show or give back, these are all great things to check out. Alright, I'll see you soon, spacers. Now, back to the action. All right, guys, welcome back to Starlight. And uh, words cannot even begin to say what might happen. I don't know, I'm being completely honest with you. This could be the end of season one as we know it. It could also be the beginning to something more beautiful or it could be a continuation of the story. Everything lies in the fates of the dice rolls. Courtney, how are you feeling about this? Um, a little sad. Uh, it feels very real that McKenna could die, but it also feels very real that she is being a great mom in the way that she didn't get to with her first daughter. And so I guess we'll see what happens. Your form of parenting is slightly terrifying. I know. How are you guys feeling about it? I'm not ready for it to be over, but... Uh... The events leading up to it have been exciting nonetheless, and I'm, you know, ready for anything that happens at this point. Yeah, I just have to wait and see. I didn't expect any of this to happen, though, so. I don't think any of us did, my no. friend. So, the voices you just heard were the extraordinarily talented cast and crew of Starlight. Corny Yorks, who played McKenna Lee, who is playing McKenna Lee. Sam, who plays Clive Williams, and Jensen. Nathan. Clive. Clive Jensen. <laughs> Clive. Sam, who plays Clive Jensen, and uh, Nathan Kashin, who plays Atlas Coons. <laughs> just kidding. Nathan Coons, who plays Atlas Kashin. Can I just make one comment? You said played McKenna <laughs> Ali. Was I am playing? still playing <laughs> yes. McKenna Ali and she is not dead and she will not die and this will be great. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just see what the dice have in store. So with that, we're going to jump into this episode of Starlight. Accessing. Everything begins to fall apart. Having tentatively joined with the Palladium forces, the spacers fear that if Seesaw is discovered as a stowaway, it is likely everything will turn to shambles. 
Thus, McKenna Ali decides to take a calculated risk. Believing the boy strong enough, she reveals his presence to Leap Talonash, setting into motion the series of events that will lead to his testing. Tensions run high for all spacers. Additionally, Atlas is already on edge after seeing the same gold-plated egg symbol on a vat deep in the bowels of the Leech Dreadnought, a gold-plated egg directly connected to his past. But everything begins to unravel and burn when Seesaw fails his test and McKenna intervenes by throwing herself in line with the assassin's blade. Memories retrieved. I think now is a completely applicable time to give you the vote for inspiration that came in through the Patreon that was gifted to McKenna Ali. Oh. Use it where I use it wisely. So we jump in. McKenna has just trumpeted as the the metal from the assassin bot retracts partially into the machine that towers over her and liquefies into a poisonous, viscous substance that begins to burn at her veins. The trumpeting hails to her companions, Atlas and Clive, who rush into the room to see utter chaos. McKenna, as you sink to the floor onto your knees, you begin to feel this searing at the intestines and the stomach, and you see blood gouging out of you. I need you to roll a constitution saving throw. Six. The pain begins to spread, and you take three points of damage. I'm gonna try this. I've never done this accurately. Agonizer's Scorcher. A line of roaring flame 30 feet long and five feet wide emanates from you in the direction you choose. Each creature in the line must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes three die eight fire damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. At higher levels, when you cast the spell using a spell slot of third level or higher, the damage increases by one die eight for each slot level above second. So this is this is only done in desperate times. So like this is not something McKenna does on a regular basis. And the flames come out actually from her feet and build from there, okay. going higher. And you see nanobots kind of forming the flames, going straight out towards the assassin bot. The assassin bot manages to make it save. The metal begins to like almost liquefy or like come apart, and it splits into two, like partially and then reforms as the flames kind of like move past it. But the orc far enough way in like the southeasternly corner doesn't see it coming in time. It scorches it. Six, seven, eight. The orc guard is like singed and is patting out the flames and is barking in orcish. All right, Clive, you're up and the priest is on deck. I'm going to take a bonus action, and I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark on the Assassin Bot. Until the spell ends, you deal extra dice, six damage to the target whenever you hit with a weapon attack. 
and you have advantage on wisdom perception or wisdom survival check you make to find it. Again, like this mark that only you can see begins to radiate around the creature. I'm going to charge up my rifle and take a shot at it. 27 with a nat 20. 10 points of damage. Your blast slams into the side of it with a <laughs> The metal kind of getting absorbed partially into it. The head kind of turns with a single red light on the front as it just vroom, and then it suddenly <laughs> switches back to McKenna. Boy, he does not care about me. The priest is gonna continue running to the wall towards what would be look like some sort of data pad. The priest 34 starts clacking in on the data pad and sending information somewhere. And then he yells out behind him, come on, get them, do not let them go. That is the priest's special action. And so his special action essentially is those two orcs. Those guys move next to players and they get to make one pack. That is an effect the priest has at the end of each of his turns. Hello, friend. So the two the two guards run as directed and as empowered by their priest, and they make an attack on Clive, which misses. And then they make an attack on Atlas, the one who was charred and burnt. He's moving slow, but he just comes up from the side, kind of as your back is turned, and is able to hit you with his weapon. That is nine points of damage. The uh, the weapons they're using are these like um, small like burst blades. The assassin bot raises its blade and begins to like assess the situation and it steps past McKenna and walks over to Sisa. No, no, no. Sisa kind of like pales a little bit and then similar to the way he stood up to Atlas, his spine stiffens and uh, he holds the dagger ready. Sixteen points of piercing damage, and then I need Seesaw to go ahead and make a Constitution saving throw. It's a nineteen. So the blade comes up, and it stabs straight down into Seesaw again. The blade reforming from where it was broken off. He's dead. How much health does he have? He has four now. So I'm going to read the effect to you as is. It is Constitution saving throw, and if it fails have its hit points maximum reduced by an amount equal to the damage taken. So the, his hit point maximum, which is was 20, is reduced by 16. Then he takes 16. And the target dies if the attack reduces its hit point maximum to zero. So the blade stabs into Sisa straight through the neck. The blade extends through the neck to the other side and Sisa crumples before McKenna. McKenna's just... She's just gonna fall to the ground. She is devastated. And she's just gonna trumpet the saddest trumpet ever to exist. All right, so Alice is gonna see Cisa drop. Initially, he's, just gonna, he's gonna rage. He's gonna go through his full transformation. And then... That other guy's right behind my five foot radius, correct? Yes. So if I do leave his thing, he's gonna attack me? Yes. But he also looks very bloodied. Alice will backswing with his axe recklessly. How do you want to kill him? Do I 
yeah, just backswing and cut him down while this bug like is still staring at the uh, assassin bot. Not even looking. The only reason you can confirm it is you hear two thumps. One, the body falling in the head, like just slightly after that. And that was will charge the assassin bot. The orc guard who just watched his fellow fall steals himself and he then turns away from Clive and he pounds his chest. <clears throat> a challenge. And he goes and runs and attacks Atlas from behind. So right up on my tail, that's what I was looking up just when I was on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, it is, so if the attack hits me, I can decide to then use my reaction oh. to then add D8 to my AC to see if it doesn't hit me. Your tail comes up anyways and just flicks him to the side with a <clears throat> The orc that then attacked Atlas goes at it again, trying to hit him. He misses again, deflected. You can see the frustration <sighs> as he can't even get you to bother to turn around. Yeah, I was like, you know how embarrassing he is? Alice is not even looking at him. And yeah. his tail's just flopping around, just like blocking the hips. He like doesn't even feel it. <laughs> The assassin bot then turns assessing the scene. Atlas, you're on deck and it coldly raises its blade. As it's doing this, you watch as the speed on it begins to quicken as it casts haste on itself. You watch as nanobots start to flourish out of the machine itself. Haste until the end of its next turn gives it plus two bonus to its AC, and it has advantage on dexterity saving throws, and it can use its main attack as a bonus action, and then goes into attack you. That's a nat 20. Oh. <gasps> 30 points of damage. That's resisted, so it's 15. Stabs into you. You start steaming. The blade doesn't pierce as deep. You grab it, pull the blade out, your resistance, your rage resistance driving you, but not before the ends of the blade begins to sharpen within your body into a serrated edge. I need you to make a constitution saving throw. No, that's a natural one. So it reduces your hit point maximum by 15, and then you take 15. I'm at nine HP, so if I hit, take 15, I'm dead. No! The assassin bot turns, just does vroom, vroom. The eye settles on Clive and it steps coldly over Atlas's body and just walks ever so calmly towards you. So Atlas go to make a death saving throw. 13. One success. McKinnon's gonna throw a firebolt at the assassin bot. It's a four. It misses as you're starting to go woozy, your stomach wincing from the pain. I'm gonna use a bonus action to cast Ensnaring Strike on the Assassin bot. Uh, next time you hit a creature with a weapon attack before the spell ends, a writhing mass of thorny vines appears at the point of impact and the target must succeed on a strength saving throw or be strained by magical vines until the spell ends. All of these things flourish up around it. It seems to like I'll take it all in, and the blade just slashes these nanobots that are starting to crystallize around it, breaking them apart. Well, attempt to shoot it. 13 points again. Part of like the machinery flies apart, and then it reforms so quickly that it's, it's hard to believe. And there's just an inkling 
that how much of this is a machine and how much of this might actually be like nanobot coalesced into an entity. I'm gonna run and take another shot at him. And then I'm going to use my board breaker ability to fire at the orc that's right next to him. The orc staggers back a little bit. The energy from the bolt still like kind of glowing off of the skin, a little chunk taken off of his armor. And the priest continues clacking and he goes and presses the last button and an entire alarm starts to sound on the ship. There's only one left by the power of Gromish. I invest you. And you can see that there's like a panic in his voice. The orc then rushes with renewed strength at you, Clive. I can feel it. And he raises his arms up with with the saber and brings it down straight at you. And that is a hit. Atlas, as you feel your breath going further away, roll for life or death. Six, because you rolled under a 10, you now have one mark towards death. It's three? Yep, collect either three successes or three losses, and it will decide the outcome. Your breath grows more ragged, and your mind begins to flash through so many things that you could have done, done differently. But you are not ready to give up yet. Your hands begin to sink into the floor, and even though Atlas is down, you guys all can see him holding on for life. The orc soldier then is going to reach for Clive, and he's going to try and grapple you and pull you over. I need you to roll a strength or acrobatic contesting his. Oh, I'm definitely doing acrobatics. 19. Oh, come on. But he reaches out, bats your weapon aside, in the process, wrapping an arm around your neck, grabbing you by the back of your the collar of your jacket, it pulls you back to him. He gets his hand around the other side and he starts to tighten oh. the collars of the shirt holding you in place. Assassin bot. It walks in front of you, Clive. Nothing changes as the eye kind of like examines you almost determining the best place to strike. And then it surgically raises the weapon of its arm. It misses. You pull to the side just in time. McKenna, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Five. Six points of damage. McKenna falls to the ground with her trunk just touching Cisa's arm. One tear falling down her cheek. And you hear just a small, broken, sad trumpet. Atlas rolled a five for his death saving throw. The breath grows ever more ragged. And now you're hearing the capitulated roars. It can't be like this. He wasn't supposed to be like this. But perhaps there's freedom in being able to join the others. Who knows? McKenna. Seven. As your breath grows ragged and you feel like the pain beginning to subside in your stomach, your eyes open and you see the vision of an older woman stepping down in front of you. An aphid touches your head 
and you can almost feel this touch. We can call this your celebration. And then we'll be free to the way. Ones? Really? I think two it was meant ones? to be at this point. Two ones? I roll two ones. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, Clive. Clive, uh, you're hell. All right, let's hold on. Let's see what your options are. Death? So Slowly or quickly? The no conditions of grapple. Your speed is zero, and you can't benefit from any bonus. You are considered... The, consider, the condition ends if the grappler is incapacitated. The condition also ends if an effect removes the grapple. So you can attack him. Oh, I can. You can. Attack him. How do you want to kill him? So I'm going to flip my rifle around and change modes on it to like more like a shotgun spread. And I'm just going to stick it in. And, and suddenly everything goes loose. And then I'm going to use Horde Breaker. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm gonna run. You hear the priest behind you. You hear him go, we could have had the answers for you. Doesn't even hesitate, just keep cloaking it. Five is in 100% survivability mode right now. Both of you conscious just enough as these footsteps walk over. The priest kneels down and touches both of you across the head and begins to wipe off the eye from your foreheads that he painted before and begins muttering some sort of like prayer. And then finally he says, we shall see if Grummish has chosen you or we shall see if you are meant to leave. Clive, I need you to roll a perception check as you're running and you're pushing past people who look surprised. Okay. You're just, you're dashing through, trying to follow the route according best to your memory. And, but that is about it at Atlas. A success, two successes and two fails. You start clawing your way back. Would it be better? Would it be easier? Maybe, but that is not the way. McKenna. A success. Clive, as you are trying to navigate and move your way, you see members of the Palladium Pact are more so trying to figure out what's going on and returning to their station. Some are giving you looks and pointing, but nobody is quite acting yet. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get back? Like, use any skill you think will be your best bet for navigating back through this monstrosity of a dreadnought. Survival. Uh, 16. You start making your way through and you're remembering which way to go. You're ducking and diving. Atlas, will you please roll a die 100? 74. You're, you're not hindered by anything up until you see the doors starting to close in front of you that would block your only known route. Atlas, you're up. That <gasps> 20. Your eyes flutter open. Your HP is one. 
Atlas thinks about Isabella and also Jonah and thinks about his old battle buddy during like the war and then just holds on to life in that one moment knowing that he can't just like let go or like leave them. You feel the stroke of 34's hand on your head. He doesn't seem like he knows that you're awake. Okay, Alice will rage Amelia. So steam just boom, filling the room. And Alice is gonna bite his hand off. He's gonna rip off his hand and just like eat it. Like swallows the whole thing. And then grabs the priest by the face and just bites over his head and just like rips it off. Jaws unhinged. And the priest is just yelling. But there is also awe on his face. And that's the last thing he sees as you just rip into her skull and then continue until all that's left is like a bloody pulp of where the top of the spine used to connect into the base. And then as some coherency to like kind of like come back, you look about getting ready to fight off the thing that took you down the assassin body. And it is nowhere to be seen, and the door is open. Then you also see McKenna across the way. McKenna, please. 18. Two successes, one failure. Clive, the door is closing. The alarms are going. Go ahead and use any skill that you think would be applicable to get through. Slide on the floor into the door before it closes. The door's closed behind you, and because you rolled a nat 20, you see ahead of you a line of people who are rushing, like you see soldiers with guns and stuff, and they just miss you, and they continue down a hallway. And you see that like it's a T-junction that you're heading up to. They went to the left, and where you need to go is to the right. That is also when you hear the sound of You turn back and you see the door just like small teeny dents starting to appear. And then you hear the sound of You see slowly pieces of metal trying to push their way through the cracks. McKenna, like in Alice's opinion of being like deranged in a sense, does she look like she's gonna survive at all? Make an insight check. Seven? Hard to tell, but you can see a large amount of ichor pulling out of her abdomen. And her eyes, while open, it's like that half-lidded glazed over. Alice is gonna take his burst axe and cut the hand off the priest. He's gonna make his way to the left. McKenna, you wish you could say something. You see past Aphid, you watch everything that happened with Atlas. You even yelled out to him, but the words just wouldn't come out of your mouth. But you have just enough strength to reach your hand out towards Sisa, whose hand's outstretched towards you. Go ahead and make your roll. McKenna reaches her hand out to Tusisa closes her eyes 
and takes her last breath. And then it's peace. And the guilt is gone. McKenna is dead. I think I'm gonna actually cry. <laughs> Happens. Yeah, it does. It happens I admit, yeah, I'm like, there's some moments where I like trying to hold it in. <laughs> I got weirdly connected to my backstory actually. So when I mentioned my characters, I kind of. Yeah, sorry. I wasn't expecting her and Cisa to die. Clive, continue your way, running and you find your way just before the docking bay but it's a long hallway and you leave behind the sound of that door getting pounded and this long hallway actually has like a it, it creates like a rotunda that you can see probably goes around the front of like the ship in like this circular pattern and there are multiple bays immediately you're like I'm not sure which bay it's in there is a terminal. You know that you can either access the terminal as as an option, or you can also like try and take a guess. There's six bays. I try to access the terminal. I would have to interface with it. I'm gonna take a guess. I'm gonna go for bay number four. You see in bay four a few starship, and immediately you also see like a few guards that turn at you, and one of them yells out. Hey, that's the one! Atlas, you're running towards the lift. There's another hallway that junctions right before the lift, however, and you see a series of like guards turning the corner. There's three of them. You can use a skill to get past them and into the lift. What skill do you want to use? Because athletics and just yeah. like bulldoze through them. 21. Your shoulder impacts with each one. Boom, boom, boom. You slam them out of the way. You come into the lift and you slam the hand onto the thing for access and the lift starts to move. Oh, thank God. I didn't think that was gonna, I actually didn't know that was gonna work. You look back, Clive, no sign of the assassin bot yet. You can see from your field of vision, you can see at least one of the ships is open and within 60 feet. But there are four combatants with their weapons trained on you. How far away are they from you? They're pretty like scattered. I would say the closest is, it's a pretty big bay. We'll say the closest is like 30 feet. I'm gonna dash to the ship and then I'm gonna, as I get into it, I'm gonna try to close the bay door. This is a ship that you're not quite familiar with working with. So I want you to go ahead and make an interfacing check. 12. You get it to work, but not before a blast fires in. And you hear something fizzle in the background. You don't know the extent of the damage or what the damage was, but your heart is racing. Atlas, in this scenario, I'm going to actually ask specifically for some form of a skill check related to navigating back to where the canister was in the lab. Survival? 
Nine plus four, 13. Before you know it, you find yourself at the front of the, the doors where you saw that canister with the symbol of the egg and this strange computer script written around it. You see next to the door, a uh, entry pad. You put the hand up and the door begins to slide open, revealing the canister within. You see two scientists and they turn around in surprise. One of them pushes his glasses up and goes, Hey, you! Alice will try to intimidate them, but it's warm. They both back up. One trips over a chair and falls back. Alice is gonna walk in, walks up to the thing, just puts the hand on slowly. You see a series of passcodes that you would need. You are going to need to make an interfacing check combined with a straight intelligence roll. Alice is gonna smash his axe into the interface console. The last thing I'm just gonna say, turn it on. Clive, there you see that the bolt hit up in the cockpit. You're going to make a piloting check, but the DC has been raised by two points and is now at 15 from the damage. Six. A Are you kidding The ship begins to raise and then it shudders. The engines stall and you begin to frantically work with it. On top of that, you hear more bolts hitting the side of the ship. You look out of the cockpit and you can see one of the guards running over to another large console, a console that you know break your access to open the bay doors and escape. And they're trying to like get it shut and completely have your ship locked out. Just as you see the assassin bot walking through the doors and none, not rushing, not running, just walking. Its arm sliding across the ground, sparks rising up. It's your turn, Clive. Atlas, you're on deck. Oh my God, give me a break. The ship, the ship belches out smoke. And it gets worse. The smoke begins to like cloud the entire field of vision. So maybe the others can't see you as much, but now you are, you are like, needing to like go off of radar a little bit just to get some of the pings. And then as they start stuttering, you give them another long look and you see that they're completely spineless compared to some of the others. And they start pressing on the buttons and the top begins to twist with a a green smoke begins to rise and you see that the at the end of this lab big bay door begins to open and the wind begins to whip and it starts fluttering things around your claws sink into the ground the scientists grab onto stuff and these wisps start to fully come out of the canister what was liquid in there begins to turn to a gas a vaporous gas that begins to pull up. And when you look into the canister, it is empty. The wisps, however, move and they begin to fill the area. You begin to feel something strange happening within your body, but you also see others having the same reaction. Clive, I need you to go ahead and roll a die 100 and Atlas's number will be 
between 0 and 33. Atlas, I need you to make a con saving throw. Plus 4, 19. You look down at your body, and suddenly it begins to grow. The muscles begin to bulge. You feel that your bones begin to push through the skin. And at first you wonder if this is something that Gwynevi gave you, a new transformation, something to work with, but it's different. The bloodlust that you had before could be concentrated. This is different. Suddenly, death is all you can think about. It permeates all of your being. And as you look down at your body, wondering what's happening, you begin to realize you're growing. Five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet. The ceiling begins to push against you. You are no longer wearing clothes. You can tell that, but you don't know what you are. And then you catch one last image of yourself. During that time, can I send something out, like a message? Literally just like something sent through like before I completely lose it? Yes. And the last thing you see is this pool of liquid that breaks, that shimmers a silver below your feet, and you catch your reflection. Your feet dip into it, your feet are three-toed, and massively ripping into the hull of the ship. And what you see before yourself is this almost like dinosaur type being with horns that come off of the flesh, little beady eyes that glow your same red. And at the center of the chest, this almost like egg shaped organ that is pulsating, just feral teeth that erode open as you let out a roar. And then all you can think is kill and you lose consciousness. Clive, we move straight back to you. And it's at that moment you hear a noise go. And you almost feel it down to your bones. You're almost like, what the heck is that? Atlas, roll an intimidation roll. You may add a plus 10 to that. A plus 10. 21. Everyone freezes except the assassin bot. The assassin bot is still stalking towards the ship. You barely hold yourself in place. And then suddenly there is an explosion. And you see this like beam of yellow light rend through the side of like the ground and out the wall, just like a straight line strafing and part of the ship opens up and the wind begins whipping out. You watch as someone is pulled out into the upper atmosphere. I need you to go ahead and make a piloting check. Eight. The ship won't start. It starts to skid, however, as there's another blast and the bay doors stay open. But the part that you're on, where like your platform of the bay begins to tilt and detach, and the ship begins sliding towards open atmosphere and straight to the ground of Enduel. You hear the sound of metal slamming into the back of the ship. And you can hear as something's moving over the top. After this turn, your ship will be free falling. Try to get the ship going. I don't know how to do it, but I can't get out here. 
The ship is in free fall. And as you're falling, flipping back and forth, back and forth, you catch one image. And it's the ship, the dreadnought itself beginning to fall. And you see this creature that it's not as big as the dreadnought, but it seems like it's growing. And part of its head is like now gnashing and biting its way through the top of it. The, it's your ship falling, and the dreadnought is essentially falling right above you. And you are just getting garbled transmission. Mayday, mayday, mayday. And there's no one to help you but you and your own skill. Um, can I roll a... Knowing knowing that I'm a pilot, and I've this probably isn't the first ship that I've gone down in, can I roll a survival check to attempt to brace myself for the crash? Roll a survival check. Even though it's in a different language, the console has some similarities, and you find what you're pretty sure sure is like a an abort button that would jettison you out with your seat. I'm gonna hit it. And suddenly like that, the top goes and then the, the chair flies out at all these G-forces. Just as you see the assassin that was just about to get over the top of the cockpit, you fly past it, your foot kicks the side of its head, and it goes flying off of the ship. And then you're you're going up, going up, or rather everything else is coming down at a faster pace, and suddenly the sides shoot out like this, like mist that starts to slow you, and you watch as this dreadnought with this behemoth on it crashes into the planet, And as a dreadnought would, like an asteroid, there is a massive crater. And this riptide of earth and of cityscape and towers falling and then multiple explosions just (laughs) and just as quickly that creature seems to just disappear from within the ship into the smoke you're not sure if it's down there or what i need you to make a constitution saving throw against the g-forces and being whipped around you pass out. And we fade to dark. McKenna Ali, your eyes open and you take breath, but you realize you don't need breath. It's just, it's just natural. 
you find yourself in home. Please describe what home looks like. Home is a small cottage looking thing, but large because I'm an elephant. Has my daughter and Cisa became part of home and so did Atlas and Clive and everyone's sitting around a table, oak wood table that's very large. And we're eating some of the most traditional Loxodonian food and we're laughing and just finding joy. Your daughter walks up to you. Her face is smeared with curry. Describe what she looks like. I'm really gonna cry in real life. She is young. She looks innocent. Um, her trunk is a little crooked because she had a birth defect. Um, she she has a young voice, and she just is the most innocent little loxodon you've ever seen. Um, bright, beautiful eyes. Mom. I'm so happy I'm with you again. Tonight, when grandma and grandpa go to sleep, you promised to teach me how to dance like you used to. Yes, and I have a friend who can help us now. And I look over at Clive across the table. Clive, your representation of Clive anyways smiles and for the first time since you've met Clive he seems more sure of who he is and more content with where he is and he says well little lassie I would love to teach you how to dance and because this is McKenna's home she also says oh sweet honey you've got to dance with Alice too he's the best answer around and because this is my home and this is my world atlas gets up and he grabs her hand and he spins her around and it is a merry time and you just see images of your daughter happy and after you tuck her into bed and after you bid atlas and clive goodbye and they walk out of that door for what you know will be the last time ever. Seesaw gets up, <sighs> stretches. <clears throat> hey, you're not my mom, but you did a pretty damn good job. And don't be too upset about what happened. I wanted to go, remember? And I'm glad I tried. Beat the hell out of just causing trouble back in Nanoi. Got a real adventure. And I have you to thank for that, so. Hell. This Loxodon food beats the hell out of the rations you guys had back on that ship. Jeez. 
I wonder if when Sir dies, if he's going to teach me a few things. I am certain he will. He gives you a hug, goes for the door, opens it, and when you look out the door, there's nothing there but just blank white. As he's about to close it, he stops, and he says, Oh, and weirdly enough, for the first time since actually being with her, I feel closer to Carice than ever. And he closes the door. All of it fades. And it begins to grow dark, however. And you hear an Aloxodonian voice that you wish to never hear again. One who manipulated you, brainwashed you, who made you feel guilty, but also could make you feel like the most powerful or most heard person in the world. And it calls to you and it says, there you are. Oh, McKenna Moonmaker. What happened to you? You had so much promise and potential. And you left when I told you I was the father of the way. And now I see you here in this afterworld. Naguvu's face begins to form before you. And you just see almost like your true representation of his soul. You see an elephant head, but with two white eyes, one above and one below. The tusks splinters into three each, and the tips are capped with gold. And there's a chain that runs and attaches to the ears. These almost indigenous like tattoos run up and down zigzags onto the side of his head and down the cheeks. And he seems larger than life. McKenna, come home. And he raises a three-fingered hand down to you. Join the way. You may not have been able to come with me in this real world, the world of material, but join the rest of your kind. And then he pulls back at what you can see is like his chest, and it opens like a cloak, the flesh opening. And inside you see thousands of Loxodons. Be with your kind. McKenna turns around. I want you to go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw. 14. There is an even brighter light that seems to shower out the darkness. And you can't help but turn towards that as another voice enters. My dear friend. And you see the Sunmaker, as he appeared to you once, wizened, old, patches of like white beard that kind of comes down and almost like unkempt, like like a sagacious look to it. It's a little unkempt on the sides, but friendly eyes and a smile. My friend, do not walk that path. And he lowers a hand to you. I know now, thanks to the projection, the various crystals embedded across this universe. I have watched you 
The prescience has let me see into glimpses of your future and your allies, the story and the things you have set in motion. War foreseen has been foreseen and you have played your part and you must fall. And then he grows a brighter white that pushes and eventually envelops all of Naguvu until he's nothing more than a black dot that is banished. The Sunmaker looks down at you happily and sadly and says, In a way, I am dead too. But I have played my part, and you have played yours. The Celestial Federation falls this day. And a new future is awakened. One that does not need the triumvirate to make sure that beings across the universe are kept alive. You have played that part in freedom. And all beings, thank you. And slowly he begins to shrink till he is exactly your size. He goes over to the door of the building that reforms. And when he opens it, you see everything that was familiar that you knew, that you loved. The Sunmaker smiles and he goes, oh, it's done. I'm free and I'm dead. He looks back at you and smiles. The triumvirate is no longer. Come. Where Naguva would have taken you, he would have coalesced you into his crustaceous shard and used your power to bolster his own. I am no such being. And soon I will depart to my own afterlife. But I would tell you of my adventures. I would tell you of my follies, of the part I played in a greater scheme that I didn't know about until my peace was stuck. And I would hear yours. Would you join me for one last picnic among the stars? It would be my honor. He smiles and he takes your hand and he walks and the door closes. And thus ends the story of McKenna Ali, the Moonmaker. And with that, we end the first season of Starlight. And we thank you for being a part of it. See you later, spacers. Yeah. You guys can level 25. Still Corny. alive? Oh yeah. Hmm. That was, unleashing that was a, a uh, precursor that would have completely like annihilated the city and triumvirate and oh, thus, no, I, and set things into motion. I assume that actually was probably what killed the triumvirate or like with all the whole ship coming down, the monster coming down. Yep. So I hope you guys, I, like seriously, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I don't, yeah. 
I heard. That was really fantastic. I heard all of that. <laughs> that was a fantastic season one. <sighs> I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked that that, that uh, arc ended so quick, but that's D&D. &D. Uh, wow. Can we do yeah, hit the squares. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.